there are two weeks to go until the end of 2023, and tonight is expected to be the final vote on a new zoning code for the city of Charlottesville. Most editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement seek to cover multiple stories, but thankfully the format is flexible enough to have at least one more edition that seeks to document the process by which a generational change will be made. I'm Sean Tubbs, looking forward to the new set of stories. In today's edition, Charlottesville City Council has held one more work session to go over final tweaks in the development code. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook announces opposition to restricting development rights in certain neighborhoods, but is outvoted 4-1 to one on two key provisions. Snook picks up two other votes to place a 5,000-square-foot cap on building space in residential aid districts, and a full list of all of the various items up for a vote tonight. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, Relief Seaville exists to reverse a worrying trend. Since 2004, Charlottesville's tree canopy has declined from 50% to 38%. Two-thirds of the city's neighborhoods are below 40%. Relief Seaville aims to change that through a series of tree plantings, preservation efforts, and education campaigns. Relief Seaville is a public-private partnership between the City Tree Commission, the Nature Conservancy, City of Promise, Charlottesville Area Tree Stewards, and the Vanieri's Tree Company. Their efforts are funded through donations, so consider making yours today. Charlottesville City Council will vote tonight on a new zoning code that will change the rules for what can get built inside city limits. That's after a nearly three-hour work session on December 14th where they decided last-minute items. The first was a quick one. When the first module of the new zoning code was released in February, one initial recommendation was to eliminate homestays as an allowable use in residential neighborhoods, but that was quickly removed. James Fries is the city's director of Neighborhood Development Services. And we realize in order to do so, we do actually have to add two more districts where that use would be allowed, the RX3 and the RX5. Council quickly agreed. And we've got one done in less than five minutes. Hey. <laughs> less than three. That was City Councilor Brian Pinkston. The next item took a little more time to resolve and built off a conversation at the end of the December 13th work session. To follow the conversation, you have to go back to the agenda packet for that meeting, beginning on page 5. Uh, we had proposed some alternative language relative to the issues of differentiation of renter and ownership in terms of the terms of, and terms of affordability and the level of AMI allowed. And you guys had begun to discuss that. After a long pause, as councillors tried to remember where they had left off, Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook steered the conversation by saying he would not support one of two new districts proposed after the Planning Commission held their public hearing on September 14th. I will be voting against any inclusion of RNA at this time, and the reason for it is that I don't believe that it will work. The Residential Core Neighborhood A District, or RNA District, would apply to some but not all areas depicted in the Comprehensive Plan's future land use map as sensitive communities. Unlike the Residential A District, lots zoned RNA would be allowed to contain one structure. 
Council discussed the matter on November 13th, as I reported. Snook had not been persuaded that limiting development rights would work. And basically, when I asked what will stop gentrification, what will stop displacement, the only zoning answer that has ever been given to me is to aggressively build middle-income housing and correspondingly not uh, to, to prohibit large-scale luxury development in at-risk neighborhoods. Snook said non-zoning tools include continued expansion of property tax relief, as well as a new kind of housing stabilization voucher for low-income households. He cited a 2014 article on the website ShelterForce titled Seven Policies That Could Prevent Gentrification. The practical effect of RNA zoning would be to hold down the supply of units in the RNA neighborhood and therefore necessarily drive the price of those units up, which is likely to create more gentrification pressures than fewer gentrification pressures. Snook said he's talked to people in the affected neighborhoods who want to maximize the worth of their property. City Councilor Brian Pinkston said he was interested in the email chain that had taken place throughout the day. An email chain that likely is available through the Freedom of Information Act, but I don't have time to get that now. Pinkston played debate moderator and asked one of his fellow councillors to weigh in. You obviously made some good points. Um, I would be interested in the email exchange I saw today. I'd be interested in the, the counter-argument from the other end of the dais from Councillor Payne, if you wouldn't mind it, making your case. Councillor Michael Payne said he disagreed with Snook and that he had laid out many reasons in the email exchange, including a citation of the RKG Rate of Change report that offered an analytical prediction of what might happen to the property market. There are areas of the city where turnover will be greater. Um, RB and RC is there's the biggest difference in that, but still in RA there'll be an increase in the price and a developer is willing to pay for a lot, which will have implications for maintenance of affordable housing. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade responded as well. You know, it's just one of those things that we just don't know exactly, you know, um, you know, we can't tell the future, but I do believe that um, the um, keeping it as a the RNA zoning will be the best you know approach and in particular you know you know I was kind of on the fence but once I heard from some community leaders in Fifield and like I'm thinking about I think I heard from James Bryant you know and Tenth and Page that you know community leaders are saying that they su support this um, then I have to you know I'm I'm supporting it um, as as well. Pinkston said he would continue to support it as well. I think that this concept has been part and parcel of the overall framework for two years. Councillor Leah Perrier also supported the RNA change. It is very clear that you can upzone at any time, but you can't downzone. And if the residents of the neighborhoods are saying they would like for things to remain RNA, then I think we need to follow what the residents are requesting. With Snook outvoted four to one, council then discussed the boundaries of the RNA and some additions. Now, here's one quick thing. A look at the map shows that 7 and a half Street is within this boundary. 
On December 1st, 609 7.5th Street sold for $540,000, or 8.96% over the 2023 assessment. But what about the Meadows? One person from that neighborhood had appeared at the December 5th public hearing to ask not to be included in the RNA district. That's an area that, I, to be honest, I need to get to know better. I don't have a lot of contacts in that community. And, um, and when the trusted residents of the area came and said, you know, you know, we don't want this now, I, I will have to trust their, 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 their judgment on it. So. Payne wanted the RNA area to be expanded to areas in Belmont because they had been included in the future land use map as sensitive communities. But other councillors denied. There's been pretty steady um, lobbying, is not the word I want to look for, pretty steady representation from groups like CLIC and FAR and People's Coalition for the core, the core neighborhoods that are we have, that we're showing now on the map, and so I'm, I'm comfortable with that, but I would not be comfortable with the other two areas right now. Council also confirmed that they will only allow one additional unit in RNA if an existing structure is kept, and not the two additional units the Planning Commission had sought. Another item resolved dealt with the period of affordability for rental and sale prices for units that are built to satisfy requirements in the new zoning, as well as targeted income for affordability. Zoning does not, as a general rule, differentiate between rental and ownership. In fact, zoning is supposed to deal with buildings and land use. It's not supposed to deal with ownership or who's in the building or who, who, who lives there, who owns it, this, their status of ownership. The original proposal for the affordable dwelling unit ordinance was to have rental units provided at a price point for households and individuals at 60% of the area median income for a period of 99 years. For sale, units would be targeted at 80% of AMI, with affordability only guaranteed for the first owner with a right of first refusal to the city or nonprofit developers. This was a consensus proposal supported and advocated by the Housing Advisory Committee. However, council will vote on a final draft where there would be no distinction between rental and sales units under the inclusionary zoning. Another new detail is that units in residential districts built under the bonus provisions for affordability would be at 80% of AMI for a period of 30 years. City Attorney Jacob Stroman said the change would be more legally defensible. Outside counsel Sharon Pandak agreed. The, the ordinance is far more defensible if you're not making a distinction based on who owns the property. And that's the fundamental problem with the hack proposal. Council agreed to the change, though Payne said the new proposal was much weaker. Perrier also supported the hack proposal, but the staff suggestion moved forward on an informal three to two straw poll. listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second supported public service announcement. By the late 1970s, Mr. Charles Langham of Charlottesville had grown tired of the commercialism of Christmas. To remind people of the joys that can come from a less materialistic time with friends and family, Langham formed a group called the Society to Curtail Ridiculous, Outrageous, and Ostentatious Gift Exchanges, or Scrooge. Folk artist Frances Brand found this interesting, so she painted him as one of her firsts series. 
That painting and dozens of others are now under the stewardship of the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society. Many of these images have been uploaded to Sevilpedia, an online community encyclopedia updated and expanded by volunteers like myself. Sevilpedia is now under the stewardship of the Jefferson Madison Regional Library. There's so much more to be added, and volunteers can learn about the community by doing this research. So if you're interested in doing this and helping me out and all sorts of other folks, take a look at the homepage and sign up for an account. Bah humbug. Now back to the rest of the program. The new staff report for the December 14th work session did not include another piece of information relevant to the discussion. Earlier in the day, Mayor Snook sent around another item via email that he wanted to bring up. I wanted to raise again the question of uh, having some gross floor area limit, at least in RA, uh, and noting that uh, at the last meeting when we talked about this, at least three of you said something to the effect of, well, I wasn't on council when that was discussed. And I'm simply you know, reminding folks that it doesn't really matter because, frankly, you're bound by the comp plan. And the comp plan says uh, that we want to have house-sized units in general residential. Snook sought a 4,500-square-foot limit for buildings in residential A properties. Council had had the same discussion on November 13th, as I wrote about at the time. The conversation this time took over 45 minutes off the clock, and Snook persisted in his objections. Council considered a 5,000-square-foot limit of total building space for a lot. Pinkston said he could support that as a compromise. So where did we get 5,000 square feet from? We just randomly picked it. It, it was I, random. I had started at 4,500, and I said I'm willing to go to 5,000. NDS Director James Fries said he has worked in communities with such a cap, but he has concerns. Obviously, it's doable. It raises all, it raises administrative issues. Fries said one of them is the need to verify the existing square footage and the need to inspect what gets built to make sure it's under the cap. Councillor Michael Payne did not support the limit and said introducing it so late would not be a good way of doing public policy. And this is a very substantial change to a large uh, um zoning district, RA, um, and to make a decision of that consequence without understanding or having thought through what the implications are, um, I just don't feel comfortable doing that myself. It may be allowed, but it doesn't seem wise or advisable, at least to me. Vice Mayor Wade could not support the limit either. Per year said she could support it, and Pinkston was the third vote. What I would propose is 5,000 square feet gross floor area for the sum total of all of the units on the lot. Where what is to be included um, is occupiable, habitable spaces, um, including basements, um, including attached garages. The exact language is included in the packet for tonight's meeting. Councillor Payne repeated a concern that the process seemed off. I don't understand the, the full implications of this, which um, I find a difficult position to be in. 
One of the final items dealt with what to do with site plans that had been submitted under the existing zoning. The key decision to make is with regard to what the cutoff is for the submission date of those site plans. The first option for council was August 18th, 2023, which was the date that the draft development code was advertised for public hearing before the planning commission. The second is November 21st, which was the advertisement date for the council public hearing. The third would be December 18th, the day of presumptive adoption. Staff recommended August 18th, and that's what council decided to go with. The disposition of pending projects resolution would also require any projects with vested rights to get site plan approval by July 1st, 2025. This would also place a limit of three comment rounds with staff. In the newsletter, there is a full list of all of the items that are on the agenda tonight in one place. And I think that's important so you can take a look. It is four or five or six hours before this thing happens. And these changes, some of them are pretty big. Uh, some of the zoning map changes, for instance, at the very end of the meeting, uh, the council decided to take this one property in the Belmont neighborhood where there's a trailer park on Carlton Avenue. And that has been altered from RX3 to Residential B. This is out of a concern that Michael Payne had that having it at the higher category would make it more likely the property will be purchased for eventual development. Uh, James Fries said that he felt that that was likely going to happen anyway. We'll see. But we are now at the end of number 616, a hastily produced version that hopefully makes you a little smarter. I'm smarter, maybe. A lot of work has gone into covering the creation of the development code over the past three and a half years of this newsletter. I have prioritized this because otherwise I wouldn't know the details and neither would you. I'm fairly certain that no one else has covered the details so extensively and I continue to plan to cover whatever changes happen as a result of the new rules. That's what Town Crier Productions is here for. And I couldn't do this without paid subscriptions and I really do thank those of you who are subscribing through Substack. And if you subscribe through Substack, Ting will match your initial payment at $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year. Thank you very much. It's time to end this thing so I can get it produced, go on the radio, and then get ready to write the rest of it up tomorrow and the next day and so on. Goodbye.